Hi, this is the Robberator. You can support my mad grab for power and the Sword and Laser podcast by going to patreon.com slash sword and laser. Welcome to the Sword and Laser. I'm Veronica Belmont. And me? Oh, I'm just Tom Merritt. Just good old <laughs> Tom Merritt. Good old down-home, country-fed Tom Merritt. Sword and Laser is a book club, but it's so much more. We bring you author interviews, news from the world of science fiction and fantasy, and of course, awesome discussions from fans just like you. Now, sometimes we have a drink while we're doing this show. Sometimes we don't. Uh, very rarely one of us has a drink and the other doesn't. And that's today. That's today, as you will come to notice as I continue speaking that I am one glass of wine in this evening. <laughs> one whole glass of wine. What f- flavor of wine are <laughs> I am you? drinking a uh, Alexander Valley Vineyards uh, Temptation Zinfandel from 2013. See, that is a wholly respectable answer. Uh, when I asked you before the show, though, I said, what are you drinking? And you said, I'm drinking Temptation. Temptation. <laughs> temptation from 2013. I didn't I have said, any Temptation oh, in 2013. At that uh, point, Are you I was also already... drinking Sloth and other <laughs> sins? <laughs> gluttony. Mostly gluttony. <laughs> yeah, mostly gluttony. That makes yeah. sense. Yeah. Gluttony probably makes a pretty good wine. And you, Tom, are gulping air, you I'm told me air. earlier. Just yeah, I'm not gulping drinking it down. air. That would cause belching. Uh, no, I am not drinking anything. I'm, I have no excuse, just ill-prepared. That's okay. Do you want to take a moment? I mean, this is not live. You could leave to get a it's beverage. It's live now, as far as they know. No, it's fine. I'm good. That's true. I actually have a little water, too. I'm good. Well, let's jump into the quick burns. And I'm glad I've had a glass of wine, because it's very mm. hard for me to talk about the passing of Ursula K. Le Guin. Um, I know it's hard to hard to kick off a show on on such a sad note, um, but this happened after we recorded uh, last week or the week before the, on the twenty third, um, and it was just really it was really sad, and it was really especially sad. So she passed away. She was eighty eight. She's had an amazing life. It's absolutely amazing life. Yeah, career eighty eight. Not bad. Not not, not bad. bad at all. Not bad. She did. She did amazing. Um, and just the outpouring of love from not mm-hmm. only people in the genre fiction community, but also people like people I know in the tech community who were mm-hmm. fans of hers that I didn't even know. They they read her works. Um, people from all different backgrounds and 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 you know, schools of thought were were talking about how amazing not only her writing was, but the way she she talked and spoke and and her feminism and her her way of pushing women forward in, in genre fiction and the support she gave to other authors um was really really great to see you know even in in, in such a sad circumstance um no, no details about her her death but she had apparently according to her son Theo um uh, been in poor health for a few months before this um, so yeah, very sad news. But she she gave so much to to the world. Um, it was it was nice to be able to to hear everybody's retrospectives on her. Yeah, I it is sad. There's no two ways about that. On the other hand, thankfully we got a lot of Ursula K. Le Guin. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got mm-hmm. uh, 88 years of Ursula K. Le Guin. She changed science fiction and fantasy. Mm-hmm. Quintessential sword and laser author. Uh, and she gave gave us so much, and and she will live on in her work. 
uh, as they say. So, you know, uh, it's there's nothing sweet. I wouldn't even call it bittersweet about it, but there is a there is a lot there to still appreciate today. We are we are better for having had her yeah. in this world for exactly. sure. And you know, between reading Left Handed Darkness and Wizard of Earthsea, I mean, we got the sword and laser, yeah. which I think is was was pretty amazing uh, yeah. from just from a book club perspective. Um, and she's just a fantastic, fantastic author. And I, I, I will continue to read her works, I think, for the rest of my life. So, um, and she was a Berkeley native, which is is also cool as a, as a, someone in California and from the Bay Area. Um, and actually, Kyla Caseby from Vaginal Fantasy, um, like went to her house one time, apparently to try to sell her, like, I can't remember what she was trying to sell door to door. Oh, it was Christmas ornaments. Uh-huh. And Ursula K. Le Guin answered the door and, oh, I have to pull up the exact quote because otherwise it's going to drive me crazy. So, so, so she's just wandering around as a kid, I'm guessing, right? Just like a teenager. Yeah. yeah. Like, oh, we're selling ornaments to raise money for the school thing. And knocks on the door, and who opens the door in this Berkeley neighborhood but legendary author Ursula K. Le Guin. <laughs> and she said that that Kyla had like a wicked air about her or something. Oh wow! I'm gonna have to find the the quote as we continue talking on, but it was it was it felt so right. It felt like the perfect <laughs> thing to be said um, by Ursula K. Le Guin to Kyla. Uh, then uh-huh. it, made me, it made me really happy. That's great. That's great. Well. Good. I'm glad uh, we have a, a, I don't know if it's a fond memory, but certainly a uh, an entertaining memory uh, to, to talk about. Uh, and our next story is silly. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's just silly. Um, so stories uh, started circulating that George R. R. Martin's Winds of Winter would be coming out September 6th. Now, a lot of outlets just passed this on without explaining, uh, but... The root of the story, thanks to ibtimes.com.au for getting it right, uh, is that the Strand Bookstore, uh, in in a page of of books we're excited about this year, that you know bookstores do that a lot, which is great, uh, happened to list the Winds of Winter on September sixth. Mm-hmm. Oh boy! Then they took it down. A lot of people jumped to the conclusion they would like to believe that this means that September 6th is the secret date the publishers have, but The Strand got in trouble because George R. R. Martin gets to announce it first, and and so they had to pull it down. Here's the thing. Uh, I, I get the wishful thinking. I do. I understand it. But if this was the actual date, for sure date... I think George R. R. Martin would have said so pretty quickly after this. The best hope is that this is the latest publisher's penciled in date mm. and that the strand did have that on a document, uh, but that they haven't made it public because it still might move. And as you know, if a date might move with George R. R. Martin, it probably will move. <laughs> yeah. So even with my best interpretation of this, I don't think we're getting the book on September 6th, but uh, (laughs) my worst uh, interpretation is that this has no basis in reality. Somebody was just mocking up the webpage and like, I don't know, I'll put Winds of Winter on there on September 6th and forgot to take it out before they edited the page for publication. I think it's wholly invented by somebody like, ah, best guess, maybe we'll get Winds of Winter. You know, let me throw that on there while I'm doing the rough draft and it just didn't get edited It it really 
feels that way because yeah. how else would that be the only place that date has surfaced? Yeah. You know, you, you feel like if it came from a publisher, if it came from George R. R. Martin somehow, like it would have been in a few places, perhaps. Yeah. Amazon's um, great at putting these things up when yeah. they're not supposed to, right? <laughs> wonder how many people have been fired for that. Um, I have Kyla's tweet now. Oh, yes. What is it? She said... I sold fancy Christmas ornaments to Ursula Le Guin in my 20s. She was lovely. She grabbed my hand and told me I had a gift. I asked her, what gift? And she said, you're kind and wicked. That's your secret. And ah. she flicked a piece of ornament glitter off my face. <laughs> That's so perfect. I know. I love it. What a, what, I love what a it. lovely story. Oh, it kind of made me get a little verklempt when I, oh, when I heard it the yeah. first time. Pretty awesome. Well, Trike says the next project by uh, Tom Denis left all Villeneuve. the hard things. De- Villeneuve, <laughs> director of the superb arrival and better than expected Blade Runner 2049, this is by Trike, is going to be uh, a new adaptation of Dune. He says his goal is Star Wars for adults. And then Trike says, by the way, if you haven't seen the documentary Jorodowski's Jorodowski. That was Jodorowsky. easier. Jodorowsky. Jodorowsky's yeah. Dune. I highly recommend it. That guy was a crazy person. <laughs> and the influence of that failed project was felt in most of the sci-fi movies released in the 70s and 80s, including Star Wars. Well, yeah, a lot of Ralph McQuarrie's art comes right out of Jodorowsky's Dune. That is a great documentary. I, I recommend that as well. And Jodorowsky was the first wave uh the second wave was lynch david lynch Mm -hmm. uh and and the documentary kind of touches on the fact that you know dune seems kind of cursed uh the bbc and sci-fi were able to put together a miniseries that that to to most uh consensus is fine is actually pretty good so it's probably not cursed since theirs didn't totally fall apart the way lynch's sort of did he took his name off it and and jodorowsky's never got made uh it just burnt money um but I don't know, man. Watching Blade Runner twenty forty nine and all that orange, oh. I could totally mm. see a Dune coming out of that. Don't you, can't you? I mean, I saw Fallout New Vegas in that, but yes, also Dune well, would, also, would make sense. Sure, yes, also that. Personally, uh, I'm just saying, you have a worm go through Fallout New Vegas, and boom, you've got Dune. <laughs> Perfect. Um, but, I would like to point out for new new perhaps listeners um, that I am. I, I, I would consider myself fairly well-read. Uh, I know who all of these people are whose names I'm butchering. I'm bad at saying the names. I know who they are. I know what their names look like. I just can't say them with my mouth parts. I don't think you need to apologize for that either. I feel like uh, I need to call it out because it's becoming kind of a joke on the forums, which I yes. get. I totally get. But I'm just bad at it, and I don't even I don't even try to try sometimes now. Next, our mo- our next monthly silliness will just have you read a list of names. Oh God! Oh God! <laughs> From right. like the Soviet Politburo of 1973. You would, something. you would have that list. <laughs> you would have that ready to go. I know you. I have the Constitution here somewhere. We could have to read that. Um, the Soviet Constitution. Oh, of course, Cuban of course, of course. Yeah. Uh, hey, yeah. So Darren wrote. Anyone else pick up that Google now does audiobooks? Actually, Google's done audiobooks for a while, but they were sort of hard to find and hidden, and it, there were few and far between. Mm-hmm. But now they're doing them for reels and everything. Uh, there's no subscription option like Audible, uh, which Google's trying to spin as a good thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's no whisper sync, uh, at least mm-hmm. not yet. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, I'm sure the ongoing conflict between Amazon and Google is going to play into this at some point, just as long as they don't start pulling apps from each other's services, then having another option out there can only be a good thing, surely? Question mark? Uh, Not bought anything from them yet, so no idea what the service quality usability is going to be like. Anyway, it's 50% off your first purchase until February 26th. And uh, I actually did go in... um, you want to download the Google Books app. You can just go Ugh. in the Play Store into the Books section and find the audiobooks, but you need the Google Books app uh, to read it. And there's one for iOS and Android, both. Uh, and I bought the audiobook of An Unkindness of Ghosts by River Solomon. Oh, neat. I don't know why I need this because I am a an Audible subscriber, so I'm not really sure... Why? I mean, maybe there's some availability that's different or price that's different. What are you giggling I, about? I mean, I don't, I don't know. I drive an Audi. I'm not sure why there need to be any other car makers in the world. Okay. Okay. <laughs> All right. I drink Coca-Cola. Why are there any other soda makers? <laughs> <laughs> no, I get it. You're like you're happy with Audible. You weren't looking for. for I wasn't looking for it, option. but yeah. I understand but, why other people might be. Yeah, okay. if you're in, in the Android ecosystem and you're not an Audible subscriber, and you're like, I'm not going to read a book a month. I don't want to credit a month. Mm-hmm. This is probably a good option for you because Google's trying point. to keep the prices lower than Audible's a la carte uh, and make them available easily in their ecosystem as well as on iOS too. So fair enough, fair enough, Tom. Good point. Mary says, yay, it looks like Matt Adam could be back on. And yes, I call these sci-fi, even though Miss Adwood doesn't like the term Atwood. Um, Yeah, so this is uh, in regards to the TV show, uh, Margaret Atwood's Matt Adam trilogy to be adapted for a Paramount television, according to Tor.com. So you say... Anonymous content, folks behind Mr. Robot and many other fine uh, television series. And I say, awesome. You say Paramount Television. And I'm like, does that mean the old Spike Network that just changed its name to Paramount Television? Mm. Because I guess that's okay. But Paramount's like fighting a war with online right now. And they want to make you watch things live. And is that going to make it difficult to watch this? Because then I'll be sad. Yeah. Well, all right. Let's see. Okay. Matt Adam, this is according to the Tor article, mm-hmm. Matt Adam, as it would appear the series is currently titled, will be executive produced by David Cantor and Bar Doros, along with Agnes Wall and blah, 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 from Scissors Entertainment. Uh, we're thrilled mm-hmm. to be bringing Matt Adam Trilogy to television. You're just Doros reading and the article. Sentence. I am. Yes. The Worlds of Oryx and Crake, The Year of the Flood. What are Flood. you looking for? I'm looking for more information to see if it's going to be good or not. Oh, you didn't read the article before the show? I didn't read the article before the show. <laughs> <laughs> There's it doesn't shed any more light on my question. Wait, am I supposed to read the articles before the show? <laughs> what? What? <laughs> what is this craziness? What? Uh, no, it says Paramount Television is in charge of it, and even says it has a quote from Amy Powell, who's president of Paramount TV. But that could mean they're producing it to for another network. Although the way this is written kind of makes me think, since they're not saying it's for another network, that's going to be for the Paramount TV channel. Okay. Well, so. I'll still watch it. I'll watch that. I love Dorks. If and you're Craig. allowed to yeah. without buying some weird package or getting cable. <laughs> I don't buy things. Well, that's what I mean. Paramount TV is like they made a big deal at their Tom. TV Critics Association about how we want linear TV to be the Tom. cool thing again. I We're going to make people watch things. live TV. But that's what I'm saying. If you don't buy things, 
you won't be able to watch this, maybe. I don't think you're picking up what I'm throwing down. <laughs> I'm trying to save you from yourself, Veronica. <laughs> <laughs> All, right. All right. Tom, you've tried to do that for many, many years. It hasn't, hasn't kicked and in I yet. I will not give up. <laughs> All right, it is now time for Barrier Sword, which is our feedback from the audience. <laughs> I just wanted to make a note. Um, Rob uh, was very sad last time because we didn't mention the challenge. We have a sword I'm and laser sorry, book Rob. challenge. I'd he never want to let Rob down. I know. It, I felt really bad. And I was like, oh my gosh, we really, th- it is taking up like half of our page space on our book club right now. Like we it's really like should have mentioned it. it. Yeah. <laughs> So we are doing a book club challenge for the Sword and Laser community. Um, we are trying to see who can get to 10,000 sword or laser books first. There's it's a friendly the sword challenge. Yeah, just friendly, eh, friendly competition. The sword challenge and the laser challenge. Uh, team Veronica, Team Tom. To- a little bit arbitrary. It's fine. Um, so you can, the, the way you do this, uh, Sean Looky Look, who is essentially the, the Robin Tazzy Dave of Vaginal <laughs> Fantasy, by the way, as well as a huge contributor to our community, says, awesome. when you join the challenge, you make a separate bookshelf for that challenge. Just name it, like, you know, 2018 Sword Challenge or whatever. Doesn't matter what it's called. It's just for your own reference. Only books that are on that shelf and have been marked as red, i.e. they're on your read bookshelf or red bookshelf with a date set in 2018, count towards the challenge. So you just all you have to do is 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 click on the challenge and then connect a new bookshelf to the challenge. And so everything you feed into that bookshelf feeds the challenge. And so then everybody from our team who has books being fed into the challenge will be counted towards the overall book club challenges. Yeah, you don't have to read 10,000 books You do not, no. All 24,000 of us, or however many are in the book club now, have to read less than a book I was going to say, yeah. If everybody adds one book to a shelf, uh, then you only have to read one book. Yeah, so I think this might even actually be worth a a group book club message, uh, which is Mm -hmm. something I have only done maybe once or twice. (sighs) It make me the, very nervous. To and the in secret fact, book club message closet. And I have to say, in fact, I am so bad at doing this that Goodreads got in touch with me and was like, yo, why have you never sent a message <laughs> through your book, through your group? And I was like, because there's so many of us that I'm terrified I'm going to make a mistake and I won't be uh-huh. able to edit it. I don't know how it's going to look. So they... Built a preview feature Look for that. that. For and, you. And I still haven't done it. Well, here's your chance. So I'm going to do that. I'm going to encourage people to join the group, uh, join the book challenge. And we. I feel good. I feel like one of us, I feel like we can get to 10,000 this year. Well, I think both teams can get to 10,000. I really think Which on the power of Jenny first? alone, like I think Jenny can get us straight up to 10,000 because she's like a powerhouse. You us. All right, my team, maybe. My oh, team. so you're only talking about your t- part of the challenge. I, You I know, see. I was trying not to make this competitive, but Tom, if you <laughs> want to make this competitive, I think you know what you're in for. A loss is what I'm in for. <laughs> A yes. loss either way, even if you win. You kind of <laughs> lose. Even when you win. Because I will end you. <laughs> uh, when you say we, no, what I was trying to say is, do you mean both teams can get to 10,000? I feel like one of us can, me, can get to 10,000, you know. See, that wasn't me that time. 
Well, either of us. I feel like even if both combined to get to 10,000, I'll be pretty happy. Yeah. No, I think it's good. I think it's totally doable. It's fun. It's it's yeah. a fun thing to do. It's, it's, Thank it's, you, Rob. Yeah. Thanks, Rob, for setting it up um, and for reminding us to, to talk about it on the show. Um, I was just even proud that I finished my like 24 or 25 book challenge for 2017. So, Oh, yeah. No, I never do book challenges personally, like personal book challenges. Really? because Because I have, a, I have a standing book challenge, which is to read the Sword and Laser book every month. Yeah. <laughs> like, we I have, feel like that is my ongoing challenge. It's a but pretty big challenge. I will connect myself to this. I will. Mm-hmm. And we all—I should also say that uh, Rob put in the rule that graphic novels do not count <gasps> towards your total. Um, oh. But they're doing well, a separate graphic then. novel count. Uh, so there's a se- separate graphic novel challenge, I believe, happening elsewhere. So if you want to do a part of that, that's totally cool. But try to try to jump in on this one too. It'll be fun. Absolutely. All right. Well, let us wrap up then the book of the month, which was Frankenstein by Mary Shelley. Um, we didn't. We we talked about it a little bit two weeks ago, um, but we we do need to kind of do. Do you want to do this first, or do you want to do the the kickoff or discussion on? Oh on yeah, the we February should probably. Pick? You're right. We have this backwards in our in our. Uh, hopefully, none of you turned off the. <laughs> the uh, podcast in a panic uh, if you haven't read Mary Shelley Frankenstein. Um, but yeah, we should we should probably kick off uh, A Wrinkle in Time first so that if you don't want to be spoiled on Frankenstein, a 200-year-old book, mm-hmm. three and 200, 200-year-old book, uh, then then yeah, uh, we always do the spoilers at the end. So uh, let, us, let us do kick off A Wrinkle in Time. Uh, d- d- not much... We're not going to spend a ton of time on it because I think a lot of people know this book. A few things that I didn't realize, though, um, is that Madeline Engel... Mad- I knew that Madeline Engel got rejected a lot. She got mm. rejected 30 times wow. or, or rejected by 30 submissions or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, what I didn't realize is that they constantly rejected it for being uh, too sophisticated for children, which I find hilarious uh, <laughs> because I adored this story i i I first experienced this story as a film strip in elementary school and if i'm remembering which pod i was in i think i was probably in second grade like it was early Mm -hmm. early 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 uh and i and i think we got did it again when i was in fifth or sixth grade so i that Madeline Lengel visited my high school girlfriend's house when she came to greenville college to speak and I didn't get to go. <laughs> okay. But that's when I actually read the book book because I realized, wait, I know this story, but I've never actually read the book. Um, so anyway, all that aside, uh, such a great kid's book, like totally accessible to children of, of many ages. Uh, and then a great adult book, too. Like it's, it is an all ages book. I've never read it. What? This will be this will be my first time. <laughs> What? Yeah, I know. I know. Have you started it yet? Nope. So what do you... This is very curious to me. What do you know about it? I really don't know all that much. I mean, I know about it, like, culturally, I guess. Uh I don't know how to explain it. I... I mean, I know... What do you think it's about? Don't, Don't quiz me on the... Freaking plot. No, if you, no, I just I want to know what you're expecting. I'm trying to quiz you. Well, I know, I know it's about, oh gosh, I know it's about, um, 
So there's a there's the father is like a scientist and he gets lost in mm-hmm. another dimension. Mm-hmm. And the kids go to find him and it's all topsy turvy. That's, that's pretty it. good. Yeah. That's all I know. That's all that's all true and non-spoilery. Mm-hmm. I mean, you may think that sounds spoilery, but it's like stuff you find out in the first paragraph, basically. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, not the topsy-turvy stuff, but um, yeah. Uh, Madeline Lengel, uh, his name was actually Madeline Camp, by the way. Madeline hmm. Leng- Lengel was her middle name, and she was named after her great-grandmother, Madeline Lengel, whose last name was Lengel. Uh, she was born in 1918, uh, died in 2007. And she was very accomplished. Her mother was a pianist. Her father was a writer and a critic and a foreign correspondent. She wrote her first story at age five, uh, began a journal at age eight, uh, attended Smith College and graduated cum laude, uh, appeared on stage, did some acting in New York. Uh, She was in a production of Chekhov's The Cherry Orchard. That's where she met her husband, Hugh Franklin. Uh, They had their first daughter in 1947. Uh, she taught at St. Hilda's and St. Hugh's School in New York and eventually became a volunteer librarian at the Cathedral of St. John the Divine, uh, was herself the official writer-in-residence at New York City's Episcopal Cathedral of St. John the, the Divine. And her first novel was not A Wrinkle in Time. Her first novel was The Small Rain. That was published in 1945. Wrinkle in Time was rejected 26 times before being wow. published finally by Farrar, Strauss, and Giroux in 1962. So she'd already published books. But they're like, nah, kid's book. Uh, She actually got this published because she was at a birthday party uh, that Farrar was at. Uh, (laughs) And so uh, she told him about it, and and she had pretty much given up on it, but she couldn't stop thinking about it. And he's like, oh, that sounds great. I'm Farrar of Farrar, Strauss, and Grove. (laughs) We're publishing that stuff. And there you go. Nice. All right. Well, that's 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 a good good bit bit of background. Uh, man, I'm gonna get so many letters about people being like, "Have you not listened to this?" Blah 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 blah. No, not everybody's listened to everything. I, know. I bet there's something you've listened to that or that Veronica's listened to that you haven't. Person about to write that. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> I've read most things. Yes, you've read a lot of things. I've read a lot I've of read things. Read more than most at this point. I think both of us have. Yeah, I think that's that's I, you know I actually had a, a nice except moment the other day. I was listening to uh, 99PI, except for Jenny, um, and they were doing an interview with a uh, Roman Mars was doing an interview with a uh, a man, a gentleman who was an expert in the history of comics. And I, I'm sorry I don't have his name handy, but I was like, wow, this guy can just pull examples from out of nowhere. He's so knowledgeable. Like he just really like understands like the history. And we were driving and I said to Ryan, man, I wish I knew this much about anything. And he just looks at me and he's like, are you kidding me right now? Like, I have heard you just talk about sci-fi fantasy books for like two hours with a stranger, just like rattling off names and authors and books and stories and what have you. Like, don't give me that crap. Yeah. It's like, oh, okay, you're right. It's I am a cl- giant nerd. <laughs> it's the classic thing where if you know something, you discount it because you know it. And you're like, mm-hmm. well, if I know it, everybody knows that. That. 
it's only the things I don't know that make you smart. That sounds and, hard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because you don't know them. And so they sound really smart. You're like, oh, I didn't know that. You must be really smart. Uh, it's funny. So that was a nice moment. So yeah, yeah. I, I am excited to read this one, though. It's it's something I've wanted to read for a long time. And I, I'm excited about the movie that the trailers look awesome. Um, and I think it'll be a fun, fun one for us to, to read together. Now, uh, we're going to read Wrinkle in Time this month. And then I have got a book that I'm going to pick for March. Uh, should I go ahead and say what it is? Yeah. Why are people freaking out about you not announcing the March pick, by the way? Oh, I don't know if they're freaking out or or just having fun trying to guess. My favorite guess was (laughs) was the English Constitution by Badgett. Well, everyone was like, we're going to go look on Veronica's (laughs) currently read list to try to figure it out. She's been reading everything in advance recently. And they're like, ooh, maybe it's Binti. And then Sean or someone, Tazzy Dave, was like, actually, she's reading that for vaginal fantasy. So I, I don't think they're reading the same book. So I like the conspiracy theories, though. It has happened once or twice. Yeah. But that is not, in fact, what we are. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah. Though excellent. Though excellent. uh, I would pick that book. Mm -hmm. Uh, But instead, for this upcoming March pick, which again, it's a month away. Don't you don't need to worry about it. But just if you want to settle a bar bet. Somebody, <laughs> it's going to be an unkindness of ghosts by River Solomon, which is why that was the audiobook that I tried from Google Play. <laughs> Wait, I missed it. What? An unkindness of ghosts by River Solomon. What do you mean you missed it? I I already ran it by you in Slack. Oh yeah, <laughs> you did. Okay, cool. You did. you did. An unkindness of ghosts by River Solomon is in March this month. We're going to read A Wrinkle in Time, and this month, at some point, Mm -hmm. keep your eyes out, Mm -hmm. because we will be asking for nominations for March Madness, because during March, we'll do our vote on what we should read in April. Right. So we need need to come up with 16 books to kick off the brackets, Mm -hmm. Um, and then every week, we will whittle that down to uh, the winners for that particular bracket. And then we'll go from there. So then by the end of the month, we'll have a pick. So uh, keep, in, keep in mind, it should be a fantasy book. It should be mm-hmm. a Veronica pick. Uh, it should best be something. I mean, if you guys want to read all 16 and add those to your reading challenge list, like that would be fine too. But <laughs> yeah. let's just pick your favorite for the bracket. Yeah, because you could read fantasy books and be on my team. That's yeah. fine. Um, the, uh, what I was going to say, though, is they should be books we haven't read before. Uh, so go back and look at the library list if you haven't recently. And we prefer they be books from an author we haven't read before, though we're not sticklers about that. Re N.K. Jemison tying for the win two years ago. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that was V.E. Schwab and N.K. Jemison both yeah. tied for the win. Uh, but we had read N.K. before, so we ended up reading V.E. Schwab, uh, which was excellent. Um, but yeah, so that that has happened. A tie. That tie was amazing. That was one of my favorite that Sword and Laser moments. That was the first year we did it, too. Yeah, and both authors were like, this is hilarious, <laughs> which is great, too. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I'm excited about this one. So we'll, yeah. we will uh, either Rob or Tazzy or whoever wants to, or if I remember to, I'll start a thread. Uh, but we should start taking – usually what we do is we start a, a thread in Goodreads, and then people post their nominations, and then we tally up the nominations and pick the top 16. And when we say we tally up the nominations and pick the top 16, those are two separate operations – 
We are not. We had one person get very pedantic about this one year, which is why I'm rushing to say this. Okay. It's not the 16 top vote getters that go into the brackets. Veronica and I are going to massage the brackets to make a good competition. But we will tally up your votes to see which ones you're really into and make sure those are included. Yeah, so but it's, we're, it's we're kind a, of dictatorial anyway, so we'll probably yeah. just pick shit we want to read too. It's a so representative. Whatever. It's a republic. It's not a democracy. <laughs> you're, you're voting, but we're, we're the electoral Ooh, cops. That's I what I'm trying queen? to say. <laughs> yes, yes. A a, if you want to know more about how a constitutional monarchy works, please read the English Constitution by Badgett. <laughs> this is the thing Tom's good at, just whittling off like. <laughs> British stuff. Mm-hmm. Anglophile. There, that's the word I was looking for. Sure. Lover of I, British stuff. It's not that I'm holding a very small uh, British flag in my hand right now. You can't see me. <laughs> um, all right. So Frankenstein. Frankenstein. Yes. Now we are going to uh, say our final words on Frankenstein by Mary Shelley. Veronica, go. Ich liebe Frankenstein. <laughs> Liebes. Liebes? Oh, sorry. Did I not no, conjugate no, no, my no. verbs properly? No, I wasn't properly? correcting you. That was not correcting you. That was me quoting Albert from the series Victoria. <laughs> well done. Well done, sir. All right. So uh, we've talked a bit about this already. Um, and there were uh, this, this, this uh, one of our readers, Eric, over on Goodreads, he really like broke it down chapter by chapter. So I wanted to give a little shout out to Eric for his thoroughness because well we don't Eric. usually do chapter by chapter breakdowns, but he just went in and decided to put his thoughts down for each chapter. That was dope. And so some discussions happened out of that. Um, it was, it was, you know, I think I, I, I think I can echo a lot of uh, fellow readers when I say that I was pretty stunned by how different the story is than the probably cultural memory of what Frankenstein is yeah. um, and the way that we per- perceive it in, in modern culture. Um, very and we dark talked book, about that yeah. previously, about mm-hmm. the reasons for that are because of the films that were made. Right. And that becomes what we think of, even though they were they took so many liberties with the story. And he, Victor, I mean, Victor, I, I loved, Eric said this in one of his posts too, and it made me absolutely crack up. But he said like, Victor has a very fragile constitution. Yeah, he like does. he basically like busts out in fevers every time he gets stressed, which is like, like he, gets, well, he like, has a fragile constitution and yet he chases the monster across the across Arctic the world. Yeah. Like, somehow that didn't kill him, but you know, Oh, yeah. someone I've got the vapors. Yeah. He, he got the vapors a lot, uh, or vapor-like uh, symptoms, for sure. Um, but it, this book kind of made me really think of Doomsday Book, one of our previous reads, a lot. Not, be, not because of the theme at all, but because everybody dies. <laughs> yes, you get to the end of the book, and you're like, oh, so everybody died. Okay. Um, and the monster is really like you know, a very well-spoken character in the story. And he's, you know, maybe kind of an anti-hero in a way, though we, we also discussed last time about, you know, he's definitely not a hero. He, he kills people for revenge, uh, consistently, uh, throughout the book. Um, I, I think that's an example of how he is an incredibly progressive character hmm. 
for its time mm-hmm. because he has got a complex morality. One of the things we talk about with Grimdark and and you know Game of Thrones is is the complex moralities, the facts that these characters aren't just good or just bad, and the monster is an absolute example of that. Yeah, I mean, he really does. He, he's almost toying with Victor throughout the entire story um, because he knows that Victor is not going to give him what he wants in spite of him holding the lives of all of his loved ones over his head and actually following through with that. Somehow, miraculously, like getting to places where Victor is at any given moment and, and just, you know, killing indiscriminately or actually kind of discriminately. Discriminately. He's, he's no, that's very the, discriminately. Yeah, yeah, no, that's the point is that he doesn't want to kill. He says he doesn't want to kill anyway. He really just wants Victor to give him what he wants. And what he wants is to be respected as a living human being. And, and we talked about the, the sort of the metaphor for the working class and everything before. But, but just at considering him as a, as a complex moral character, he, he's almost like Dexter, right? Like mm-hmm. he's, you kind of, especially when he's in the cottage, you kind of want to cheer for him. And then he goes and murders somebody. And you're like, well, that's not okay. But does he know it's not okay? Because he was not naturally born so maybe it's like brain damage but yeah and i do want to say though this is one funny thing that also uh kind of piqued my interest uh sean uh in in a thread on goodreads said let's get the facts in order here i'm going to read this whole post because it's very funny First, William Frankenstein is murdered, and a household servant is blamed for the crime, Justine, of course. A few years later, Victor Frankenstein marries his cousin Elizabeth, who promptly dies. Under 18th century marriage laws, Victor came into complete possession of all of Elizabeth's property the moment the priest said, I now pronounce you husband and wife, blah, blah, blah. Soon after, Alphonse Frankenstein drops dead, that's Victor's father. Then Victor mysteriously vanishes from the face of the earth. A couple of years later, an English sea captain turns, turns, uh, I don't know what that means, claiming Victor died while hiking across the Arctic and it was a monster responsible for all those deaths. At this point, the full fortune of the Frankenstein family, including that of Elizabeth, falls into the hands of the last surviving member, young Ernest Frankenstein. Does anyone else find this highly suspicious? It's a little too convenient, don't you think? Clearly, Ernest is the true mastermind behind everything that happened, taking advantage of his mentally disturbed brother's fragile mind to push him into murdering people and hiring a down-on-his-luck Englishman to verify the whole ridiculous story. The thread is called, Why'd You Do It, Ernie? <laughs> and then, of course, uh, in in the uh, in a later thread, he says, "You know, I was joking about Ernest being the true mastermind behind the story, but this section of the book, referring to uh, part three, chapter four, makes zero sense unless Victor is an unreliable narrator. Somehow, the creature gets from Orkney, where Victor's laboratory mm-hmm. is, to mainland Scotland, where he kidnaps Clerval without any witnesses, spotting an eight foot tall monster lurking about, and it goes on. But it's like, yeah, there's." There are some flights of fancy that while we we think of this as, you know, the earliest example of the modern science fiction novel because it's based in science, uh, it's not hard science because of stuff like that. Yeah. So I thought that was funny. I At the time that I was reading, I was like, where is Ernest in all of this? Like, mm-hmm. he's just like the middle son. Like, nobody's paying attention to him. He's just reaping the benefits of all of this crazy stuff happening around him. Um, but yeah, I think that's I a great, has not, no one wrote, written that book. 
Like, well, that's exactly what Jenny says. She says, yeah. I would love to read a retelling from Ernest's perspective. <laughs> and how he, All there the is no mo- stuff. Well, maybe there's no monster and he's mm-hmm. like feeding Victor drugs to make him hallucinate the monster. Ooh. And Victor's the one, uh, is the one blamed, but Ernst the ones that killed everybody. I don't know. I don't know. I think it would be an interesting, uh, look at this world to, to retell that story that way. Yeah. I'm into it. I'm into it. I'd read Why'd that. Why'd you do it, Ernie? <laughs> Why, why'd you do it? But yeah, Victor's very frail. He's very frail. Frail of mind, frail of constitution. He is, he is it, though. That's what's so weird about Victor is that, yes, uh, his mind falls apart fast, but he's he's hardy physically. Apparently, yeah. Just yeah. frail of mind. Mm. Um, yeah, it was, it was, I was sad, especially about Elizabeth. I, I, I was especially sad how she felt like they both had that looming angst. I think that was probably the book that touched me the most was that the scenes following their wedding where they're Mm. having a really nice time, but there's like this dark cloud that's kind of looming over both of them. And Victor's trying to kind of like not think about it too much. And Elizabeth just has this like worry, this concern and she like has a vibe that's not good. And she's like trying to look past it too. Mm -hmm. And I mean, why does he leave at that point? Like he knows the monster's out to get her out to get both of them. Although he thinks the monster's coming for him. I don't right. think he really he realizes because he thinks that'll protect Elizabeth. Yeah. Because he, he thinks the monster will follow him, which was stupid. I mean, Victor doesn't always make the best choices. I think that's very clear. I mean, for all his science braining. Yeah. Not not so good on the one of those uh, people. It is is so, socially not as adept as they are science. Yeah, yeah, wise. perhaps, perhaps. Uh, well, thanks for reading Frankenstein with us, as Tom likes to say. Um, and <laughs> I we are going to be once. what? What are you talking about? <laughs> you would never pronounce anything wrong. Why would you ever do that? That's crazy. <laughs> Nobody does that around no, here. That's crazy talk. And as always, folks, our show is currently entirely funded by our patrons. Uh, So thank you to all the folks who back our show. If you want to help support us, you can head over to patreon.com slash sword and laser. At a certain level, if you live in the United States anyway, because of shipping rules, things might just show up on your doorstep. Yeah. And if you're part of Lim's library, we do that automatically. Sheila's getting her book this week. Sent out her book to Sheila. She's getting Brahm. She's getting some Brahm in the mail. Yeah. All yeah, right. yeah, getting some Brom. Well, you can also support the show by buying books through our links, and you can find those links to the books we talk about, as well as other stuff we like. It's like browsing a big old fun sword and laser bookshop at swordandlaser.com slash picks. You can get in touch with us at feedback at swordandlaser.com. Our website is swordandlaser.com. All of our discussions happen over on goodreads.com slash swordandlaser. And send us a tweet. Send us a tweet at Sword and Laser. Tell us what you're reading. We want to know. We'll talk to you next time. Bye. Bye. This podcast is part of the Frog Pants Studios Network. For more information about this and other shows, visit frogpants.com. Audio program so good, it's like you're there. I'm sleepy.